The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed in the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. The horses are at the gate. And they're off. Welcome to Winning Ponies. With a weekend coming up, this is the spot to be for news, handicapping, and spotlights featuring the winners behind horse racing today. Now, here's your host, John Engelhart, racing's regular guy. And I'm glad you could join us again for another Winning Ponies. Hope you're going to enjoy the show. Our first guest out of the box was going to be Garrett Gomez, but he's riding right now. He picked up a mount late in the car to Del Mar, and he uh, emailed me and said he hopes to be on the show next week. Of course, Garrett uh, has a new book that just came out, The Garrett Gomez Story, A Jockey's Journey Through Addiction and Salvation. And, of course, if anybody saw the La Jolla Handicap last week, they know that uh, he's back in excellent riding condition already and just a short return so uh hope to get garrett on next week meanwhile uh, another guy uh, who's uh, connected with the jockeys jeff johnston uh who's one of the representatives for the jockeys guild is going to be with us and uh we're going to be talking about some of the permanently disabled jockeys fund benefits that are have happened and are going to happen and uh some more updates on uh, some of the safety uh issues uh that are um uh, Coming up, of course, uh, the better the better we get, uh, the less perhaps we'll have incidents where a great rider like Ramon Dominguez uh, will no longer be competing uh, in the afternoons. And then our, our second guest, he's been on before, uh, Michael Maychak. You may recall uh, two years ago he took down the top million-dollar prize in the National Handicapping Championship an outstanding handicapper. There's no doubt about that. And we couldn't have picked a tougher week. Boy, when you take a look at the, the Arlington Million, uh, the Beverly D, uh, they are very, very tough, as is the Del Mar Oaks. I think the only easy race we may handicap is going to be the Alabama Princess of Silmar. Just looks like a standout in there. But we'll try to find some horses underneath to uh, give you some prices here on winning ponies. Now, do yourself a favor and go up to the website because we're putting together an Arlington Million handicapping contest, and it is free. There's no cost for entry, and uh, we're going to pick first, second, third, and fourth, and then if there should be a tiebreaker, which I doubt is tough as this field is going to be, uh, you can put in the final time. Uh, first place, we're going to give you $100 cold cash. Second place, we'll give you 50 winning credits to be used for Winning Ponies Easy Win Forms. Third place, 20 winning credits. And then our friend uh, Curtis Cody of Cody Photography uh, gave us a slew of Horse of the Year Wise Dan posters, uh, really beautiful posters, uh, and we'll ship those out to the fourth and fifth. So uh, make sure you get your pen out and you write down <laughs> the selections that Michael Baychak's going to be giving us tonight. I'll have some input myself, but uh, certainly uh, Michael, uh, any guy that can enter a handicapping contest, win on the last race, and uh, go away with a million dollars, you got to give this guy a lot of respect. Well, again, the Arlington Million, 
very big on everybody's mind. I mean, we go back to this race, and uh, the bar was set high by John Henry back in the early 80s. Who would forget the inaugural running against the BART, where every time I look at the replay, I still swear that he doesn't get up. <laughs> the photo showed he did. A 81 took a couple years off from the winner's circle and came back and won it in 84. Of course, some really other sensational grass runners have come out of the uh, Arlington Million uh, in 87, Manila, 95, Awad, uh, uh, 2009, uh, the Gio Ponte, and then a uh, great uh, effort by Cape Blanco in uh, 2011, uh, the Arlington Million always brings together quite the cast of characters. Uh, one horse is kind of interesting. Uh, it does have uh, bloodlines that are international. It comes up from Argentina. Uh, Richard Mandela, uh, you may recall, over a decade ago, had horses, might have been two decades ago, uh, that uh, he got this South American connection and ended up with horses like Sandpit and Siphon, uh, Gentleman, Le Grey Cat, uh, Redditori, and I uh, would get these horses from South America and turn them into top grade one runners here in the U.S., uh, and that is uh, Indy Point, the Argentina bred, in his first start in 2013. It was the Wicker Stakes. Uh, it wasn't graded, but uh, it was pretty sensational. Gary Stevens aboard, stalked the pace, got up with a 101 buyer. That's not bad for a horse that had had uh, a long layoff. So uh, Indy Point, uh, even though he's an Argentinian bred, he'll kind of be a hometown hope because uh, Richard Mandela, a very class act, uh, will be training him. Of course, back here to defend his crown is Little Mike, uh, as you recall, uh, he went from flag fall to that's all last year with Ramon Dominguez in the saddle and uh, went on to win the Breeders' Cup turf. Uh, then they decided to go to Dubai, and that just seemed like a big question mark. Uh, tried the synthetic, didn't do well there, then was finished 11th in the Dubai duty-free. Of course, you're going for $5 million bucks, so you're going to take a shot. And... Uh, since then, he came back. He's had a race at Monmouth Park, the United Nations. He did have the lead, uh, but then he faltered as the favorite. So he's one for one at Arlington, and that was last year's Arlington Million. It'll be very interesting to see if he can repeat. Then uh, there's a South American, a South African bred called the Apache that's in there. And what a year he has had. And he made most of his money in Dubai. Uh, he ran second in the $5 million Dubai duty-free uh, and so far this year, four starts, one million one hundred eighty-eight thousand. This is a six-year-old horse who's made only nineteen lifetime starts, but all of a sudden he has absolutely blossomed for Michael DeCock, and um, he is going to be just another one of the dangerous ones. He's listed at six to one, and uh, the uh, the, the uh, tepid favorite in here is going to break from the outside, number 13, Grandeur, 7-2, uh, if you want to call that a favorite. Um, he's uh, uh, a two-time grade two winner, but he can go the distance. Again, the Arlington Million, of course, mile and a half on the grass, and seven starts, two wins, three seconds and a third. So Grandeur, the slight favorite, coming in from a very close effort, just missed by three-quarters of lengths in the Skybet York Stakes 
over in Britain. Well, I won't go through the whole field because we will with Michael Vachak later in the show. But again, the Arlington Million is going to be a great one to watch this weekend. And really the whole card, you've got the Secretariat. We're going to handicap the Beverly D, another wide, wide open race. Well, uh, of course, uh, the the big race up at Saratoga, we'll get into that. But uh, unless you've been living in a cave, you saw last year's Horse of the Year, Wise Dan, uh, get loose, get away, and bring home the top spot. And uh, he is going to be something else for the rest of the year. Of course, the Breeders' Cup uh, is on his radar. Now, for you guys that like the cap, especially, you know, we're talking about a lot of turf races this time of the year. Um, Rich Nielsen, who we've had on the show several times, uh, has come up with a really neat, uh, I guess you could call it an app. Uh, Rich, who's a 10-time qualifier for the National Handicap Championship, uh, currently uh operates a, a website that is uh it gives the racetrack weather forecast and it, it, it's pretty neat at a glance it uh, tells you pretty much what it's going to be like for the next four days things look like they're going to be very good at arlington could be raining at, at calder of course del mar when is it not beautiful partly cloudy 79 degrees if you're playing golf stream might get a little bit of rain there this weekend and uh for those of you playing Saratoga, it looks like, as usual, a little cloudy and always the chance of a thunderstorm. Uh, so you, you may want to check that out. That's uh, provided by agameofskill.com, agameofskill.com. Again, thanks to uh, Rich Nielsen for putting that together. Well, uh, Everything old is new again, and P. Val is coming back. He's reuniting with his longtime agent, Tom Kunst. Kunst, interestingly enough, was Delmar's racing secretary from 1992 to 1999. Uh, lately, he's been representing Kevin Krieger for the past two years um, and uh, Mario Guterres uh, when Valenzuela was no longer riding, but now they are hooked back up because of their long relationship and uh, it's not because he didn't like any of the other two riders. He just thought, I'm going to go back with P-Val and see where he can get me again. Well, uh, Midlight Lucky, the winner of the grade one acorn at Belmont Park, will not race again as a three-year-old uh, due to some bone bruising, according to uh, Bob Baffert. He said she just got it jammed up. She wasn't moving right. Uh, she's going to need at least 90 days off, so let's just uh, give her the rest of the time to to heal up. All right, again. Some top races, some top horses. One was a romper, the other one a big thud. Wise Dan in the four-star day, but kind of looked like he, he broke from the inside. Of course, he was packing top weight of 129 pounds, and uh, it almost looked like uh, the guys were saying, we're going to make this a little tough on him. As we spoke with Ralph Sirocco last week, our handicapper from the Las Vegas Review, um, King Cressa was the lone speed, and he was uh, put out there on the lead, coming off 200 buyers, and was very strong going into the lane. Uh, got the half in 47 and two, and then picked it up a little bit, six furlongs in 110. Uh, Wise Dan was kind of parked down on the inside, very similar to the Firecracker, where he had that yielding course at Churchill. But Johnny V got him outside, and after that, it was just a hand ride to the wire. So it was Wise Dan over the speedster, King Creesa, 
while Leah, who looked like the other threat, those are the top three horses we discussed last week, got up for the third spot in the four-star Dave Handicap, the grade two, and that's probably the last handicap race that uh, Wise Dan's going to race in this year. And then, as you recall, Ralph said, you know, as much of a standout as Groupie Doll is, Rajiv Marat is in a slump right now, and for that reason, Rich decided to bet against her. And I don't know what he knew, but the, the Groupie Doll looked great in the warm-up. Buff Bradley had her ready, and uh, the gates open. is a flat mile in the Gardenia, the grade three. And she broke just a little bit flat-footed, and then all of a sudden she was shuffled back. It was a, it was a, a, a pretty big field, though it did have three scratches. Uh, but we ended up with uh, nine horses in there, and Groupie Dow kind of got boxed in and didn't have anywhere to go for the first half mile. And after that, had to uh, work her way outside. Looked like she was going to be a threat but I'll tell you what, Devious Intent never stopped running and got the job done at 15 to 1, holding off 25 to 1 Magic Hour. Groupie Doll, the hometown hope, ended up running third. So if you had a $1 exacto with 9.6, you collected $167. Again, that was the, the Gardenia. And then uh, out at the La Jolla. What a race. What a comeback. It was just fantastic. Uh, it, it looked like uh, like Den's legacy uh, had had this race run. I mean, they were spread across the, the, the track in the final 16th. It was pure loyalty and Den's legacy fighting out to the wire. But then who comes bombing from eighth but dice flavor and in the saddle, Garrett Gomez. It was fantastic. He just got up for the win, paid 1980. And one of the nicest things I saw in racing all of last week was as they pulled up, Rafael Bayarano pulled up alongside Garrett Gomez and gave him a fist pump as if to say, Welcome back, my friend. It was uh, really heartwarming. Well, uh, maybe the race of the week, as far as thrills were concerned, uh, was the Saratoga Special. Looks like we're going to have a great rematch in the hopeful. And it was Corfu, a Todd Pletcher trainee, who was the sales top at the Barrett's March sale, 675000 Corfu just put off amazing fractions, 21 and 3, 44 flat, and ended up lasting by a nose over Wired Brian. And Wired Brian, of course, is the winner of the Sanford at Saratoga. It looks like those two are going to rematch. And the third spot was a 14-to-1 shot, Danza. So this is going to be very interesting uh, to see if uh, these two match up in the hopeful. Of course, Corfu is by Malibu Moon. You may recall another nice horse. He sired Orb, winner of the Kentucky Derby. Then the girls in the Adirondack at, at Saratoga, it was a disqualification. Who's in town won the race, but it cut off the favorite, 50 Shades of Gold, who ran third, so it had to be placed behind that horse. The eventual winner at 16-1 to 1 was Designer Legs, finishing second. Thank you, Mary Lou. And in third, the 1-4 to four favorite, 50 Shades of Gold, might just have to throw that one out. Corey Landry was in the saddle. We'll see if he gets them out back. Um, 
Then uh, we had another inquiry, but uh, class prevailed. Our man Bernie Flint finally got Sanine Girl in the winner's circle this year. She'd been facing the tougher ones. We said she was the class edge. She got the job done. She did kind of come on over a little bit uh, at the start of the right and tighten things up. Nonetheless, she was put on top. And second was Mr. Hall's Opus. And third was the hometown hope. Lucky Ragdoll. All right, that's a look at the top races from last week and some information we hope will help you this week. And right now we're going to take a little bit of a break. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Jeff Johnston from the Jockey Guild. You're listening to Winning Ponies. flagship station for sports voice america sports and they're off what can't make it to the track you can still get all the action with winningponies.com the home of the easy win form the most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds quarters and arabian horses at most american and canadian tracks whether it be the triple crown breeders cup Travers, Haskell, or your daily races. Don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Are you a real sports fan? Get ready to talk football and anything else sports with Kwame Lasseter, formerly with the Arizona Cardinals, San Diego Chargers, and St. Louis Rams. Kwame's got the experience, so he's prepared to talk sports with you. Every week on Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk. It's on the Voice America Sports Network every Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific Time, noon Eastern Time. Get ready for unpredictable fun and sometimes a sarcastic look at the world of sports. That's Kwame Lasseter's Sports Talk on the Voice America Sports Network. The opening kickoff is a beauty. It's a fly ball deep right field. That goes O'Neal. He's at the shot. Got it. With 2.8 seconds left to left. I don't care where they put him. This one is out of here. From high school to the pros, we cover everything. Cover everything. Let your voice be heard. Voice America Sports. You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me is Jeff Johnston from the Jockeys Guild. Jeff's been on the show before. I've known him for for many a year. Uh, Jeff, if you would, for our audience of Winning Ponies, just kind of uh, recap your career and then how you ended up in the Guild. Uh, Well, I started off in quarter horse racing, grew up in Iowa. Uh, Iowa got the the track out there and brought the thoroughbreds in, so I made the switch over to the thoroughbred saddle while I was going to school at Iowa State. Um, transferred to the University of Louisville equine program and continued my career in Kentucky, met my wife, settled down here, and made my home on the Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana circuit for the most part. I retired about six years ago to take position with the Jockeys Guild as a regional manager, and I've been doing that ever since, trying to make things safer for the jockeys and um, trying to get some more benefits and 
and uh, inc- improve the industry at the same time. Well, as a regional manager, you don't work a very small region. Name some of the states you're responsible for. Well, we only have four uh, in my position. I have, have um, make my home in Kentucky and take care of Kentucky, Ohio, Indiana, Illinois, Minnesota, Iowa, and then uh, I've also picked up New York and New Jersey. So, I, well, I that's more than four, according to my count. I mean, New York and New Jersey—that's a lot of responsibility. Yeah, in itself, not. But but the Naira is pretty good to the riders, and uh, our read, our our national manager um, used to work out there, so he he takes some of the responsibility for the guys out there. And uh, our our chairman John Velasquez is out there, and and some of the other board members. So they pretty much take care of themselves. That there's not there's not too much I have to do. Um, other than go visit them at Saratoga every once in a while, which isn't a bad thing itself. Yeah, there's worse places to be, I can tell you that. Well, uh, Jeff, speak, speaking of Naira and how good they are to the jockeys, really, the jockeys are really good up there. I, I pulled up uh, a report the other day, and I looked at uh, uh, Johnny V serving coffee at a Dunkin' Donuts for the Permanently Disabled Jockeys Fund. I mean, these guys, they, they have a good time, and they make a lot of money while they're up there at Saratoga. They really do. They have something going on every week. They did. I, I did see the Duncan thing. That was fabulous. I think one guy almost wet his pants when, when Johnny handed him his coffee. Through the, through <laughs> well, the if he didn't spill the coffee out of the pants, it's going to be okay. <laughs> yeah, it, it was, um, it, it's a great fan. It's a great place anyway. Saratoga is just wonderful. The whole town gets involved. They love the riders up there. The riders love the town. They love the, the fans. Um, there's always something going on. They they did the Dunkin' Donuts thing. They do a charity basketball game, a charity softball game with the trainers. They do um, this last Monday. They, they did the Jockey Karaoke, which I believe is the fourth annual karaoke event they've done. Always a great time. Tom Durkin um, MCs. Uh, Todd Fletcher was on the judges panel. Angel Cordero was on the judges panel. Um, they raised a lot of great money. Uh, ha- everybody had a wonderful time, and it's something. If you've ever, if you ever get the chance to go out and see that, that is, it's. They, they've had them at Keeneland a couple times. They've had a couple in New York. Um, maybe we can spread it around if if you to California or other places. But it, it's a wonderful event if you ever get to go. Well, I did. I, I've been to the one at Keeneland before, and it's absolutely hilarious and fun, not only for the audience, but for, for the jocks uh, up on the stage. Uh, that, that's for sure. Um, uh, as, uh, I, I understand, of course, in the news a lot and, and in the hearts of a lot of people is the situation with Ramon Dominguez. But from what I heard, he's not exactly making idle time of the fact that he's not in the saddle anymore. Tell our audience about what he showed up with at the auction last week. Well, Ramon had had, it started a, a, a custom wooden rocking horse for kids when he, when he was down with another injury, a foot or leg injury, um, before his most recent injury that's kept him out. Um, and it turns out Ramon's got a knack for woodworking because this thing was beautiful. He, he put it in the auction. I believe they, they shared the money with the, the racetrack chaplaincy and the, and the permanently disabled jockeys guild split the money. But the, the final tally on the, on the item was 22,000. Wow. 
Well, you're up at Saratoga. You got some people that got some pretty deep pockets, so that's a, that's a good place to to have these events. Now, Jeff, obviously a, a big part of your job and the guilds is looking out for the guys. You're hoping you never have to spend your insurance money. Uh, can you tell me, is there anything new going on in the safety, whether it be helmets, vests, uh, railings? Uh, update me on if there's anything new coming up. Well, we're, we're always interested in making things safer, not only for the jockeys, but everybody in the industry, especially the people on horseback, the exercise riders, you know, come into play anything that the rider, the jockeys, benefit from we certainly want to share with the exercise riders and cut the the insurance expenses for the track policies and and the horsemen's policies if we can make uh, save money save people money there maybe it won't be so expensive on on owners um so we're really actively involved with different companies looking in at, at new helmets new new padding um that we can improve helmets and vests we've got um there's a lot of stuff going on with the the nfl and the hockey players unions with all the, the research on concussions that a lot of uh, a lot of research is being done and we're trying to piggyback on what they're doing in other sports so we can use those same materials to to improve the safety equipment that the jockeys are using uh we've been actively involved the last few years with the, the astm um, the Association for for um, Safety Testing, and trying to get the engineers that are familiar with all this stuff and the testing procedures and concussions and all the, the injuries in sports, get them on board with helping us create better equipment. So we're very, very active in that, and we think we're making some progress. And then once um, we've got a meeting, our next is in November. Right now we have... Um, we've, we've got a kind of an experiment going with one company's made some special helmets for us that we're having tested right now. We hope to have the results back by November that, um, really focusing on concussion issues and both the high and low impacts that, that we see riders face every day that are keeping them out of the saddle and, and increasing the insurance costs. So, uh, hopefully we'll get good results from that and we can start moving forward with, with that new, new safety equipment. Um, just a, kind of one more one more question as far as, I don't know if you call it safety, but obviously a health issue. Uh, I know that over the years we've talked about maybe moving the, the weights up um, for, for the jockeys so they're not killing themselves in, in the hot box all the time. Uh, any changes on that, Vista? Uh, well, we haven't made any changes since. Uh, a couple of years ago with the model rules committee, we, we, we did ask them to increase the minimum weight to 118 pounds. We've, we've reduced that now to 116 pounds when three-year-olds run against older horses. But our biggest concern, kind of like the medication rule, is consistency. If, if a rider's riding in Kentucky and they have one weight and then goes to Indiana the next day or Ohio the next day or that evening – we want him to make sure that he's at the same weight. So if it's a minimum of 116 in Kentucky, it should also be a minimum of 116 in Indiana and, and Ohio and Illinois. So everybody knows they don't have to ride at one weight in the afternoon and another weight in, in the evening and spend all day in the hot box or all day not eating or reducing. Um, we'll know more on that. We've got a conference coming up at Monmouth uh, in September 
with it's the International Conference for the Health, Safety, and Welfare of Jockeys, and we we assemble um, doctors and associations from all over the world. Uh, uh, Hong Kong will be there, Australia will be there, Germany comes. Uh, they're doing some wonderful studies and tests and um, different things in, in Ireland and England and France. So we get all these doctors and people together, and, and one of the items on the agenda is the weight. So we can find out what weights other countries are doing, what uh, implications making weight is having on the riders, and really be able to uh, get a better assessment of what a comfortable and accurate riding weight is. So we can look then at to determine if, if we need to further adjust our scales or, or if we're about normal with, with the rest of the world. Well, that's great. Sounds like you're getting your uh, your ducks in the row for that issue. Well, uh, Jeff Johnston uh, from the Jockeys Guild, I appreciate you uh, taking time out of your day. I know you got a soccer game to get back to, so I'll let you go. Uh, I really appreciate it. And anytime you got any updates or if you've got any activities going on, fire me an email, and I'll let our Winning Ponies listeners know what's happening where. I'll do that. It's my pleasure, John. Thank you. Okay, Jeff Johnston from the Jockeys Guild, he does an outstanding job. Very intelligent individual and uh, very hardworking, too. I know that personally. Well, we're going to take a little bit of break here. When we come back, we're going to break down some of the toughest races in the United States with one of the best handicappers in the United States, Michael Baychock. You're listening to Winning Ponies. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports. And they're off. What? Can't make it to the track? You can still get all the action with winningponies.com, the home of the easy win form. The most accurate predictions on thoroughbreds, quarters, and Arabian horses at most American and Canadian tracks. Whether it be the Triple Crown, Breeders' Cup, Travers, Haskell, or your daily races, don't worry. Let winningponies.com make some money for you. Every Wednesday, you'll want to talk sports with touchdown Tony Collins and his co-host Bill Mattis. Tony's broken records and has been to the Pro Bowl and the Super Bowl. We'll talk about what's happening in sports every week with news, action, and notable guests from all aspects of the sports world. We'll also involve you by discussing questions and topics of interest sent in via email from listeners all over the world. Become what you believe. Tune into Sports Talk with Touchdown Tony Collins, Wednesdays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on Voice America Sports. This Is It Sports is an engaging talk program that includes you, the experts, and sports, all moderated by Coach Carl Hargrave. We'll talk about what's going on in the general sports world, collegiate and professional, take a look at youth-oriented sports, athletic development and sportsmanship, faith, and where it has its place in sports, along with a lively discussion with Coach Carl every week. Tune in to This Is It Sports with Coach Carl Hargrave every Thursday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Sports Channel. Internet flagship station for sports. Voice America Sports.
You're tuned in to Winning Ponies with your host, John Engelhart. Got a tip for us? Need a tip from us? If you want to talk with John or his guests, the phone lines are now open toll-free at 1-888-346-9144. That's 1-888-346-9144. Or you can send an email to show at winningponies.com. Now, back to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. All right, and with me right now, a gentleman we had on a couple months ago, and he made the mistake of saying, hey, John, if you ever want me, call me back again. And he found out that I'm a man of my word, and I called him back. Michael Baychak, how are you doing? I'm good, John. How are you doing? Thanks for having me back on. Uh, I'm doing fine now that I got you because I picked one of the tougher weeks of handicap and races to have you on. Uh, people... Uh, if they recall your 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 first visit, and they recall your name, uh, you pulled down uh, the, the million dollar top spot at the National Handicapping Championship, and something you did that uh, I just thought was just fantastic was I don't know if it was a year later or months later, but uh, the, the the horse that got you home, and I think you only won by a couple of dollars in the last race, uh, that you actually uh, went found that horse claimed that horse or bought him privately and, and made sure he had a good home. Uh, is he still doing well? Well, what's up with that horse? Right, so I won by uh, a dollar and a nose, and I uh, actually claimed the horse um, a few races later uh, when I noticed that, you know, maybe the horse was not doing so well and uh, didn't want anything, you know, to happen. I wanted to kind of take care of the horse. The horse really did change my life, so I wanted to change her life, and so I claimed her. We ran her a few times. She actually won a race for us, which was great. And then we took—I took her back to Louisiana, where I live, and I donated her to Louisiana Horse Rescue, um, and they adopted her out. And she is now a polo pony or a polo great. horse. So she, there's a polo club here right on the north shore of New Orleans, and it's very active. And she's a um, she's a polo horse, and she's doing fantastic she's got a great life she's you know living living large down in uh on the north shore of new orleans that's great you know a friend of mine does the same thing he comes to the track and he finds horses that their their days are pretty well over and and he did tell me he says that that the mares and fillies are actually a little bit better than than some of the guys i don't know if it's because they're a little bit smaller and that they they can make make the quick turn uh, but he told me he really likes to get the the, the, the mares more more than the colts and geldings. So that that that's it's just a fantastic story, Michael. Well, um, for anybody that wants to get to know you a little bit better, uh, they can go to baychockracing.com, and I'm going to spell that. But again, this shows on podcast, so you can always get back to it tomorrow. It's b e y c h o k racing.com and when they get up there they can find out about you they can go to your home page you got you got your blog you got you got video and uh, obviously you're going to be talking about horses you like they're going to get to see that but i just saw your top blog was saratoga <laughs> ah <heaven. laughs> Well, as one that grew up as a little kid running around Saratoga uh, hustling bets for my brother who was a white cap because he wasn't allowed to bet, yeah. I know exactly what you're talking about. From reading this story, Michael, was this your first time up at Saratoga? You know, John, it wasn't my first. It was my first trip in 30 years. Uh, I, my dad took me up there for a Travers. I want to say it was like in 1980. What I do remember about it, it was raining. Uh, the Travers was sloppy. And Cab Calloway sat behind us for two days at the track. And this is right after the Blues Brothers movie had come out. So Cab Calloway, <laughs> for some of your listeners who are, you know, maybe a little younger, I don't remember, but he was, you know, he was 
uh, a great singer, and he sang that song, Minnie the Moocher. And I just thought, you know, sitting next with, to Cab Calloway, talking horses with Cab Calloway was a highlight. I don't even, you know, Wise Times, I think, might have won um, the Travers. But, you know, Saratoga, I went to Del Mar actually the week before for, the, for another contest. And I love Del Mar. Again, I hadn't been there again in 30 years. But I said this to people after I got back from Saratoga. I would go to Saratoga 10 times before I'd go back to Del Mar. And that's nothing against Del Mar. It's just Saratoga is my kind of place. I described it to my brother today as it's like an adult frat party with horse racing. <laughs> you know, I mean, you go, you 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 go with your friends, you go with your buddies, you go to the track. You know, might have a few drinks, you make a few bets. You know, you then you go to dinner, you talk some more about it, and then you get up in the morning, and you do it all over again. It's just the people there are fantastic. You can get so close to the trainers, the horses, uh, the jockeys. It's just like a, it's almost like a fair atmosphere. Uh, you know, a country fair atmosphere. With the best in racing, with, but some of the best racing and horses that are that are currently running so it it, to me it just it just hits me right between the eyes and i can't wait to go back next year it will not be 30 years before i go back i'm already trying to talking about renting a house next year and bringing my family up it's just uh it's truly heaven i mean it really is it's heaven for horse players horses and fans well, you're 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 preaching the gospel right here. And let me take a quick segue. Um, for years, I've, I've been the uh, publicity man at, at River Downs, and one day I got a call from the symphony next door. We have a big amphitheater, and uh, the director said, "Hey, John, can you do me a favor?" I said, "What?" He says, "I got a guy over here that really wants to come over to River Downs, but he's by himself. Would you go over and you know entertain or you know have lunch with him?" I said, sure, no, no problem. What's his name? He said, Cab Calloway. <laughs> so I got to spend an afternoon handicapping the horses with Cab Calloway. And I'll tell you what, he wasn't shy about putting some decent money down on the exactus. And we had some kind of feature race. It wasn't a stake. And I just said, hey, would you mind coming down and you know giving out a saddle mm-hmm. call or whatever? He's like, yeah, no problem, man. I'll tell you. So I can really relate to what you're saying. This guy knew what he was doing. He, did. he enjoyed yeah. it. He loved it. And uh, it was just it was a blessing to be with him for the afternoon. Afternoon. That's awesome. You know, yeah. But, uh, uh, you know, with that said, uh, I'm, we probably chewed into most of our handicapping, but uh, one question I, I've got for you uh, that I think our listeners will be interested in, too, is, okay, we're going to handicap some individual races that perhaps you may go to an OTB parlor or the track itself to bet. How different is your approach to handicapping when you're just trying to make money on a race or when you're in the philosophy of I'm in a contest, so I have to do this. Well, that's a great question because you know in a contest, a lot of them uh, are you have to bet this race. You know, there are mandatory bets, races that you might not normally you know bet where you don't really have a strong opinion that you're willing to back with real money. Um, but some of these handicapping contests make you you know force you to make a decision. So. I mean, it, it's clearly different. I mean, it's, it's you know, uh, especially with the, the, the type of odds that you're willing to accept uh, betting out of your pocket and then betting in a contest. Betting out of your pocket, you might take a horse, you know, that you think is uh, three to, or is three to one or seven to two that you're, you make a two to one favorite. So that's a value bet for you. But in a contest, 
you know, even that little three to one, seven to two horse is really not going to do you much good uh, in a large contest because you're just basically giving away too much price to the field. Um, I, I don't want to make it too complicated, but you know, you have to basically in a contest pick horses that are going to be longer priced. Uh, right. You absolutely, positively have to. In, in a $2 win place contest, especially in a money contest, you can, you know, you can finesse it a little bit different. Um, but in a $2 win place mandatory contest, which most of them are, you really can't take much less than, you know, four to one or five to one, unless you're at the end game and you're trying to protect a lead or you're trying to catch the guy in front of you that, you know, is a few bucks in front of you. So well said, because I know a lot of listeners do play in the games. Well, speaking of a price, I need to go. I think we've got about 17 minutes to play four really tough races. So uh, I'm going to kind of put your feet to the fire here. Uh, but the Arlington Million, you know, traditionally about half the field are, are European shippers that come in with, uh, with great resumes. Uh, this is a, another case right here where, yes, they're here. Um, I, I, earlier in the show, though, as uh, I, I pointed out, uh, a horse I find very interesting is uh, Richard Mandela's horse, Indy Point. If you go back in time, he used to have kind of a pipeline to South America with Sandpit and Siphon, Gentleman, uh, Redador. And I don't know if he's found another one from Argentina in this Indy Point, but uh, he had it for a couple of months. Won a minor stake, but came back with a 101 buyer. Gary Stevens is going to be in the saddle. I find this horse very interesting, but of course, I certainly am drawn to to some of these other European horses. I mean, this horse Hunter's Light, who's eight to one, he can run anywhere on any surface. I mean, he's been you know to friggin' Japan, Germany, Dubai, Italy, France. I mean, it's unbelievable uh, what a war horse uh, he is, and then. Uh, of course, you've got last year's defender, Little Mike, but it kind of looks like ever since he took the, the trip to Dubai, I just don't know if, if he's the thing, same thing he was last week. Uh, you know, side glance has a lot of bad class, but I'm not sure if he's getting older and isn't the same horse. That's all I'm going to say about the race. I'm <laughs> interested in looking at how you see it. Well, I, I see it. Uh, I used to see it as a race where you almost always had to give extra attention to Europeans. Um, and over the past few years, you know, they haven't done as well as they used to. Um, I have a love-hate relationship with Little Mike. Actually, it's love. Um, I, I can never seem to bet on him when he wins. I'm always betting on him when he's losing. So I did see him run at uh, at Monmouth in the last race, uh, in his last race. And United Nations, and that's a quirky turf track. You know, it was quirky that day. Um, I think I'm willing to give him another shot. Um, I, I just, you know, he's such a gamer. Um, I, I just, I'm not sure I'm going to bet on him. I'm gonna, it's going to depend on the price. I mean, I've got to get at least six to one on Little Mike. But uh, well, you know, he beat some nice horses there. Hangover Kid, I think, came back to win today at Saratoga. Um, it was a great one this race. So Little Mike, to me, you know, would lead the American charge. Um, but I'm very interested in some of these uh, Europeans, and I, I do like your indie point. I don't think that Richard Mandela is shipping just to show up in Arlington and, and have a nice time or a good weekend. I think he's shipping to win. Uh, I think the price is just a little short at nine to two morning line. But if he drifts up a little bit, you know that would be a, a horse that I would take a look at. 
Um, what do you make of this uh, South African bred, the Apache? I mean, he's six years old, and in this year alone, he's won $1.1 million. I mean, what's this horse eating for breakfast? Right. Well, I have the greatest respect for Michael Dukak. I think he's one of the you know great trainers of, of the uh, – in the world, uh, he had his form was a little bit better in uh, Dubai, and uh, you know I'm not sure. I don't know how to say this. I mean, it, it, it kind of fell off a little bit when he ran in Europe. So I'm I'm gonna willing to give him. He's gonna have to beat me uh, in the race. I, I think the horse that I've kind of landed on is Quest Guest of Honor. Um, you know, he's got good form. Uh, he's ran, he ran a really big race last time out. He's getting first LASIK. The trainer's actually had a few winners here in North America, so he knows how to train, uh, you know, horse here. He's going to be a big, big price, and I think that's really – I think the race is very – is one of the most competitive um, that I've seen in a while, the million. So I'm first and foremost, I'm looking for a horse that is, you know, uh, I've got to get at least – I think I want to try to get at least 10 to 1. Well, he's fifteen to one morning line, Michael. Yeah, and I think I'll probably, you know, I'll probably get that. So, uh, you know, that that that's kind of where I'm going to land, and I'll probably tie him up with a couple other Europeans. And uh, I do like Indy Point, um, but you know, I think I'll probably end up on Guest of Honor with First Lasix and trained by Marco Body. All right. Well, uh, I know we could have talked about this whole race to the top of the hour, but I need to move on in another race that I think provides us with uh, a very equal challenge um, is, is the Beverly D. Again, almost half the field, uh, European horses. Uh, you know, I mean, if if you like uh, uh, Dundle, you got to like Dank. Those two horses uh, finish just uh, half a length apart from each other in the Duke of Cambridge stakes. Uh, uh, Duntle, the Irish bred, installed at uh, three to one. Dank at seven to two. Both of these horses, uh, European horses. Duntle has uh, uh, beaten the boys uh, in in the past. And then, of course, uh, you got the I guess you would call it the hometown hope, the U.S. hope uh, marketing mix, who's uh, been nothing but solid uh, for the last two seasons. Yeah, this is a race where I really think the Europeans kind of lay over the field here i mean nothing against marketing mix she's you know beaten everybody that they brought to her um in the you know this year and and she's won a lot of races but you know and she did you know she ran great in the in the uh breeders cup um i just i just feel it looks to me like the the europeans are going to have the upper the upper hand here i want to say that i love this little horse latia uh you know She's such a gamer. I've cast a bunch of bets on her. Uh, she's just running a little bit too far for her taste, I think, for her outrunning her pedigree. But she is a really neat little horse uh, who they've you know done very well with. I think I've landed on um, Dank, and I know Duntel beat her a few races back, but I'm going to again go with the um, first Lasix. I know that Dank had a really strong race last time out, and that was you know July 28th is pretty quick turnaround um i'm gonna go probably here very you know I, I i like dank i'm hoping that i get you know seven the morning line seven to two and i'll use the other one of the other europeans gifted girl here also first time lasik so those would be the two taking nothing away from marketing mix i do think however that she's going to be uh you know a pretty a pretty good favorite and i just can't take you know five to two or less on her i think the other your uh, the other americans are pretty 
they look to me like they're a little outclassed here. Um, so that's where I'm going to end up. I'll probably use the three Europeans really strongly here. Uh, a horse that I will have to put in any exotic is the Bill Mott trainee star former. <laughs> now, this mare has not been out since June 29th when she won uh, the grade two New York. But, man, you know, Mott's not known for drilling his horses like Bob Baffert. This uh, uh, mare is on her toes Three straight bullet works uh, at Belmont, and some of them were against 44 and 42 horses. Uh, Edgar Prado fits her like a glove. I'm, I'm guessing the odds will go up on this horse, and I, I really think she can hang around at least for the third spot in there. Yeah, I wouldn't talk you out of that. I mean, I would probably prefer her, actually, over marketing mix. Uh, it looks like she's probably coming to her best race, which is very fast fast as marketing mix or faster where marketing mix may have you know ran her race last time out i mean that was a, i think a, probably a career race and it's tough to get these fillies and mares as they get older to repeat these races back to back like that so um i couldn't talk you off or on uh, star farmer at all yeah right i mean it's just you know when i see a mod horse like that i think you know Jesus, he's running like friggin' Royal Delta right now. Um, let, let, let's uh, take a little break, go out to the West Coast, and uh, we'll go to the, the Del Mar Oaks. Obviously, in Oaks, it's for three-year-old fillies. They're going a mile and an eighth, but it's going to be on the turf at Del Mar. Check the weather report earlier, and it looks like uh, it, it's going to be good. Uh, this race, uh, again, featuring a couple Europeans, but, but a couple Europeans that have already been over here and, and had a chance to, to go over the track. The one thing, though, let's face it, in the last two, three years, anytime you've got a turf race, and you got a horse in there that's sired by Kitten's Joy, you better give that horse a second look. No doubt. I'm, I'm, I, I, I hate to say it, but I'm going to probably, I think this horse will probably end up being favorite. But there's a few kittens, I think, in here. I, I like um, I like the Kitten's Dumplings horse. I think that horse will, you know, probably be one of the favorites. But there's just nothing that, uh, you know, she really hasn't done anything wrong um, recently. And uh, isn't it amazing, though, that... I mean, kittens. The kittens' joy phenomenon is incredible. I mean, they just seem to turn up everywhere. They almost run on anything except dirt, really. Uh, and, and they're they're just they keep you know you don't see them getting hurt. They're, they they must be very sound horses. They run a lot, you know. I mean, I get you know kittens' joy is is just a tremendous sire, and this this horse has gotten really really good over the past in the summer, and I just. I mean, I don't know that they can. I don't know that they can beat her here in this spot. Well, uh, first of all, just to go back to Kitten's Joy, it's kind of interesting. For whatever reason, even though he was a sensational on the track, he wasn't attracting a whole lot of horses. The Ramses went out and were claiming horses yeah. at places like Turfway Park just to breed to him to give him a kickstart. Well, obviously, you don't have to do that anymore. He's standing for 50000 and maybe more. But, you know, the way I see this race, and if you look at, at Kitten Stumpling's running lines, uh, you've got uh, Discreet Mark, uh, Sarach, and uh, Unusual Way that I think uh, these horses are going to be winging it on the front end, and I think it absolutely could set it up for a closer like Kitten's Dumplings. No doubt. And there's an interesting horse in here that I saw run at Delmar when I was out there a few weeks ago that I'm really curious as to why she's in here, but it's doing hard time again, who failed as a very, very uh, strong favorite last time out 
at Del Mar, and now they're going to try her, you know, on the turf. And uh, Hollendorfer is not known again as somebody who just likes to throw a horse uh, in a race, you know, just to see his name in the program. And you know, I, I'm I'm thinking that this horse is going to have, a, you know, certainly run better than she did as a three to five favorite last time out, uh, going short. Uh, I think she was she she might be a little interesting as a long shot to throw in there. I think. Yeah, absolutely. And one of my favorite all-time riders in the world. I was in the winner's circle with him when he won his first race, Rafael Bejarano. I just have loved to watch his rise in the racing ranks, and I can tell you he's a fantastic uh, individual. Well, we would be remiss this time of year if we didn't. Go to the spa, at least for one race. Uh, we're going to go to the 133rd running of the Alabama. We can go back to 1883 with Miss Woodford, the famous Belle Dame, Vagrancy. Uh, I was there the day that Gamely won with Billy Shoemaker in the saddle. Uh, Light Champion Life's Magic won this. Open Mind, Go for One, Royal Delta, Stop Me. Um, <laughs> just uh, an amazing historic race. Um, $600,000 with the New York purses right now. Uh, but I have to admit, a, a horse who's really kind of uh, proved her detractors wrong, uh, Princess of Silmar, I, I think is definitely the one to beat. Uh, Pletcher's training lights out 38% at Saratoga. Yeah, uh, you know, who would have thought that, you know, this horse would be the three to five favorite uh, in this race before the Oaks, the Kentucky Oaks, you know, right. nobody. I mean, she looked like she wasn't coming into the Oaks as, as best as she could, and she ran just a terrific race, and she followed it up with another even more impressive race. I don't know how you beat her here in this spot. You know, um, she is three to five. I guess the Baffert, you know, who beat a, a, a nice horse last time, and I think you referenced her in the first segment, the Bernie Flint. I think that's Sahin girl who who – just came back to win, but certainly not in a graded uh, stakes race uh, like this. No, but this. she won big. Yeah, she did. Though she came back and she she ran really she ran really big. So, you know, Fifty Shades of Hay is is not a slouch, and she also won a nice race last time out. But, you know, if this is one of those races where if Princess of Silmar runs uh, her race, she's going to win, and it's just really difficult to find an alternative here. This is like a race where you either pass. I mean, I, this is a race for me where I just either pass, you know, or and just root as a fan for Princess of Silmar because I really don't like uh, 50, even Fifty Shades of Hay at, you know, three to one. I wouldn't, I don't think that's a fair price on her. So, and certainly Princess of Silmar, I don't think I could bet, you know, I can't bet at three to five. I couldn't bet her at even money. But uh, she looks, she looks like the most likely winner uh, of the weekend. Yeah, well, again, there's always things called, Pick threes and pick fours, and maybe that's, that's your sing, single. Uh, short field like this, it's going to be hard to get a price, e even with exotics. Uh, the only horse I really w would consider, you know, a as a long shot in here is uh, Carnival Court. Uh, she's in the, the hands of uh, Karen McLaughlin getting first Lasix uh, off a win. Just looks like a horse that's got some upside to it by Street Sense out of an AP Indy mare, um, you know, they got it listed at fifteen to one. I'd have to at least put her on the bottom of my tries. But again, this is a race where 
you're not looking at a whole lot of betting opportunity. But, you know, if you do want betting opportunities or you do want, you know, information on, on what's going on in racing, I can tell uh, our, our listeners who I know like to go up on websites uh, that they want to go to baychockracing.com, B-E-Y-C-H-O-C-K, racing.com. And also, you can follow Michael uh, on Twitter at uh, Baychock. Racing, if I got that right. That's your Twitter account, right? That's right. That's one of them, yeah. Okay. <laughs> yeah, that's the main one. Yeah, that's right. Well, Michael, I, I, I can't thank you enough for being on the show a second time. I almost feel like we're kindred spirits. Uh, you're a very comfortable interview, intelligent, and you get your point across in a, in a very succinct manner, and I appreciate you so much for being on. Well, I appreciate it. Again, I'll, I'll make the offer. I'll throw it out there I'll, anytime you want, and the next time uh, maybe we can talk about the, the Horse Player TV show. I know we ran out of time. Oh, but yes, I do we wanna did. Get, you know, I want to talk about that, and uh, I think I'm proud of what we're trying to put on the TV, and uh, it'll be on sometime later in the in the winter, but I'm not even sure when, but we'll, we'll have plenty of time to visit about it, uh, you know, in the next couple months. Yes, well, I'll tell you what, I'm going to take you up on that. I'm sorry I skipped that over, hey, uh, but it sounds no, like it's going to be interesting. Money you know, you'll probably know more, more, more about it when we get yeah. there. Making money is much more important than making TV. All right. Thank you very much. Right, Ladies thanks, and gentlemen, John. Michael Bajak, uh, just a great capper. He's proven it. He won a million dollars in the national championship. And don't forget, at Winning Ponies, this weekend, you got to get online. It's free. doesn't cost anything. Handicap the Arlington Million. You just heard Michael's picks. First place, $100 cold cash. Second place, $50 winning credits. Third place, 20 winning credits. And then our friend uh, Curtis Cody gave us some beautiful posters, a horse of the year for fourth and fifth. So I want to thank Jeff Johnston and Michael Baychak for being with us. And I want to thank you for taking time. And don't forget, tell your friends if they missed the show, they can hear it on podcast. It's winningponies.com. I'm John Engelhart. Thanks for being with us. Thanks for listening to Winning Ponies with John Engelhart. We know the information from today's show will help you at the next post. Keep listening for more next Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Sports Network. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Sports Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericasports.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.